Greetings in Jesus' name. I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is uh, the video teaching series, Our Motives from God's Perspective, Part 3, Living the Lifestyle of Pure Motives. This is Lesson 2, and uh, we're going to talk in this lesson for the next couple of lessons about the details of Paul's description of the delivered life the delivered life. And to start out, I'm going to read the entire sixth chapter of Romans, and then we will go back and uh, look at each verse individually in this lesson, the next several lessons, and really go into some depth of exactly what Paul is trying to say to us that the delivered life actually is. And so Romans chapter 6, beginning with verse 1, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that God may, that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? So through repentance and water baptism, that's where we are identified with Christ in his crucifixion, in his death. Therefore, verse 4, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, there's another uh, uh, analogy of water baptism. Uh, One is being buried, the other is being planted. Uh, But in this analogy, you plant something so that it comes up. If we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing that this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. So the only way to be saved is to start out dead. But like the Galatians, the great, great, great majority of us, we start out dead, but then... Flesh kicks in and flesh wants to try to do right, to, to win God's approval, to please people, to win uh, other people's a good opinion of us. Verse uh, 7 again, for he that is dead is freed from sin. Verse 8, now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ uh, being raised from the dead, dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in, the, in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, reckon, or come to the calculated conclusion. Reckon doesn't mean I guess. It, it The Greek word there is, I've come to a calculated conclusion, uh, one of understanding, a logical con- conclusion based on the facts. Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you. For ye, let me, let me read 13 again. I'm, I'm going to comment on it in, in, uh, later on uh, in this lesson or, or one of the next uh, immediate lessons. But uh, let me read it again. 
Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So if I am attempting to, to do the things of God by my human strength, ability, my own will, my own desires, for my own motives, I'm going to fail. But if I, if I'm doing the things of God, by his grace, by his empowerment, for his glory, then the Spirit of God, the grace of God will work in me and I will do righteousness. It's really that simple. Verse 14, For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. What then shall we sin because we are not under the law but under grace? God forbid. Know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants ye are to whom ye obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. So I can call my desire to do right and to live for God. Good and right. I can call it that. But ultimately... It is my sinful nature that is the, the ultimate power behind that because my sinful nature wants to believe it's good. My sinful nature wants to believe it's righteous. My sinful nature really wants to believe that it's able to do what God required without his help. So I can call it good. That's called deception because the word of God says it's not. So if I call it good, God call it not good. But I believe it's good. Where does that put me with God? Praise God. <laughs> Whomever I yield to. See the terminology there? Oh, it's my decision to do this. No. There's a prompting from my flesh, from my pride, from my will to do this. And I make the choice to do it that way. But if I don't yield to that and I yield myself to God, to his word, to his spirit, to his grace, to his love trying to woo me to let him work through me and me become his conduit for righteousness and authority and power in the earth and the kingdom of God in the earth, then I am his servant and not the servant of my flesh or of myself. Verse 17 but God be thanked that ye were not the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. Being then made free from sin, ye became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members service to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, self-will, uh, iniquity is ultimately the foundation of wickedness and lawlessness is self-will, doing what self wants to do even though self calls it right and good. Even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when we ye were servants of sin, ye were free from, from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? Death. For the end of those things are death. That's the ultimate fruit. But shame, guilt, condemnation, all of those things are my fruit. The works of the flesh, which separates me from God. 
What fruit had you then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. When I let the flesh be the power behind the good I'm trying to do and the righteousness I'm trying to attain to, the ultimate result of that is shame. Why? Because I'm going to be rejected by God. And I will be ashamed because of my rejection by God. But now, being made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. Now, fruit is something we don't produce. He said he's the vine, we're the branches. The branch doesn't produce the fruit. The branch just stays connected to the vine and all of the life from the, 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 that the roots take out of the earth, water and nutrients and all that flows up. We call it sap, but it's flow, sap, but it's flowing life. It flows up into the vine. And if my connection with the vine is proper as a branch, that life will flow in and through me. And the evidence of that life flowing is the fruit. That's the evidence. I didn't produce it. I didn't produce it. But now being made free from sin and become, and become servants to God, you have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. And here it is. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Flesh says there's pleasure. Yes, there is pleasure. The word of God does not deny there is pleasure in sin. But it says, first of all, that while you're doing that sin, there's pleasure, but it's only for a season. And it always ends up producing shame because of rejection from God. Self-rejection when we, when we really see ourselves and what we've done and rejection from God. And sin always wants to be paid. And the ultimate pay of sin for all the pleasure it gives you is death. And death is separated from God because your sins and iniquities have separated between you and your God. So if I live habitually in sin, while I'm in this process, this growing and learning process, living habitually in sin is being backslidden. Now, the Lord said, if I say I have no sin, I'm a liar and the truth is not in me. In this period, in this period, if I say I have no sin. Now, I'm not saying once I'm dead to sin, I don't ever fail. That's why Paul said I have to die daily. And any day that I don't let the Spirit of the Lord, uh, the grace of God, renew that death in me, sometime during that day there's going to be just a little bit of spark of life with flesh. And all I have to do is just give it a little bit of room, and it's back to flame again. Now, it's much easier to put it out right now when I realize what I've done than it is later. But that's what the Lord does. Now, uh, starting uh, at this point and in the next several lessons, we're going to take a few of these verses at a time in Romans 6, and we're going to look at them not only in the King James, but in a couple other translations, just so we can get the full flavor of what the Holy Ghost is trying to say to us. So, Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 says, What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? 
Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism unto, into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. The Amplified Classic Edition says, What shall we say to all of this? Are we to remain in sin in order that God's grace, favor, and mercy may multiply and overflow? Certainly not. How can we who died to sin live in it any longer? Are you ignorant of the fact that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by the baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, so we too might habitually live and behave in newness of life. <laughs> the Lord promised us in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. Uh, but if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now, I don't know anybody that has lived that perfectly, but it is a promise. It is a place that the Lord's trying to take us to. It has to be my daily desire and my daily prayer and my daily focus to get to this place. And I don't have to attain to it. I have to submit to it every day. So as I die out daily, first thing in the morning, when I seek him, seek his kingdom first and his righteousness first every day, as I die out to him and I, and I renew that that, that life of crucifixion that I have allowed him to give me, then I can walk in newness of life that day. And if I continue to walk with him in the spirit, if we walk with him in the spirit, the scripture says, Galatians 5.16, if we walk in the spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So, I get repositioned every morning in Christ by dying out and renewing my place of death in him, death to my will, death to my, my ways, death to my desires, and that renewal of my receiving the grace of God and faith in the word and the spirit of God that I can walk in that newness of life through the day. Now, I need to renew that every day. Though the outward man perish, the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, the outward man is supposed to be perishing by circumstances, but the inward man is not supposed to perish. The inward man is supposed to be renewed. Weiss Expanded Translation says it this way. Uh, what then shall we say? Shall we habitually sustain an attitude of dependence upon yieldingness to and cordiality with the sinful nature in order that grace may abound? The Bible says that if we walk, if we mind the things of the flesh, that's the carnal mind. And the carnal mind is, King James says, enmity with God. My flesh is not my friend. That word enmity in the Greek is open hostility with God. And Paul said, Romans 8, so then... They that are in the flesh cannot please God. 
So if I'm minding the things of the flesh, then I'm not obeying the Spirit. I'm not walking the Spirit. I'm not submitted to the Spirit. If I am walking in the flesh, I may be born again of water and the Spirit. But if I'm walking in the flesh, I'm participating in carnality. Now, it's one thing to slip and fall at times through the day without any intention to do so. But it's another thing to give myself habitually to that. So here Romans 6, 1 from Weiss again. What shall we say? What then shall we say? Shall we habitually sustain an attitude of dependence upon, yieldedness to, and cordiality with the sinful nature, our sinful nature, in order that grace may abound? That's a great excuse, isn't it? Well, it's okay for me to do this, that, and the other because God can be glorified by the grace he gives me to pull me back out of that pit I just stepped back into. Wrong. It's not right. That's not pleasing to God. Because if I give myself over to the flesh, then I will give myself over to uh, every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And when I'm drawn away, because I'm I, I, I'm no longer letting the Spirit of the Lord help me to deny and be dead by the death of Christ that I'm crucified with, uh, I, I, I'm now attuned to the flesh, because flesh and spirit are at war. Galatians chapter five verse seventeen: For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. And how many believers are there who are paralyzed spiritually? They're not growing. They're not growing in their relationship with God. They're not growing in their place in God. They're not growing in their ministry that the Lord's called them to, whatever place in God that he has for them, because they're paralyzed. Because their flesh is still alive, and they're trying to be alive to God, and they're constantly going back and forth all day long, and they don't have peace They don't have righteousness, and they don't have joy. But the kingdom of God is not meat and drink. It's not doing good through our flesh. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost, Romans 14, 17. There's the steps there. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Righteousness is the acknowledgement, I can't do this myself. I can only do this as he does it through me. And once I have made peace with my past and then peace, uh, when I make peace with my present, I can have joy because now I have hope for tomorrow because I'm at peace with today. I cannot have peace over the events that may happen tomorrow if I don't have peace with today. Righteousness, peace, and joy. So in righteousness, I make peace with my past. And let him give me innocent from my past. In uh, in peace, he's given me peace over my present circumstances. And I'm not fearing those and I'm not fighting against it. And then joy is the product of my hope for tomorrow because I'm at peace with my future. So I'm righteousness at peace with my past. Peace is at peace with my present. Joy is at peace with my future. I'm not afraid of what may come. Because fear has torment. Now, 
Verse 2, he says, may such a thing never occur. How is it possible for us, such persons as we are, who have been separated once for all from the sinful nature, any longer live in its grip? I know how we do that, because we mind the things of the flesh. We listen. The Greek word translated mind in Romans 8 is to listen to the flesh. We mind the things of the flesh. We don't walk in the spirit, meaning minding the things of the spirit and the word, but we're minding flesh. And at best, we're in this conflict between the two. At worst, we're not even listening to God. We're just listening to flesh. And flesh is more than willing for you to go to church and pay your tithes and look separated and appear to be submitted to the pastor. You do know you can submit to the pastor and not be submitted to God. You do know that's possible, right? A lot of people don't understand the difference between loyalty and submission. You may be loyal to your pastor, but you're not submitted to your pastor unless you're submitted to God. Unless he, of course, is not submitted to God. Verse 3, do ye know, do ye not know that all we who were placed in Christ Jesus in his death were placed. We therefore were entombed with him through this being placed in his death in order that in the same manner as there was, there was raised up Christ out from among those who are dead through the glory of the Father. Thus also we, by means of a new life imparted, may order our behavior. That new life enables us to order our behavior in a way that pleases God. And closing out this this section of scriptures, uh, the scripture says, uh, this is easy to read version, Romans uh, 6 verse 1, so do you think we should continue sinning so that God will give us more and more grace? Of course not. Our old sinful life ended. It's dead. So how can we continue living in sin? Did you not, did you forget that all of us became part of Christ Jesus when we were baptized? In our baptism, we shared in his death. So when we were baptized, we were buried with Christ and took part in his death. And just as Christ was raised from death by the wonderful power of the Father, so we can now live a new life. Amen. That's awesome. So in these last few minutes of this lesson, I want to consider the next three verses. Romans chapter 6, verse 5. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection knowing that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin, for he that is dead is freed from sin. The Amplified says, For if we have become one with him by sharing a death like his, we shall also be one with him in sharing his resurrection by a new life lived for God. Now again, as I said before, according to the Greek, the tense of the Greek word, crucified with in Galatians 2.20, that was a past completed action that has present tense results and effects. So by faith, because we were in God's mind and heart when he was being crucified, we were crucified with him then. That was, that was accomplished. His crucifixion was accomplished then, but his crucifixion is still at work in us right now. 
if we will allow it to be by his spirit. Why? So that just like we are crucified with him and buried with him, we can also be resurrected with him. How was he resurrected? The spirit of God came in that dead body in the tomb and raised it up to life. So we repent. We're buried by him with him. Uh, and as a result of our crucifixion with him in Christ, but then the spirit of God fills us with his spirit and, and we are resurrected by that. Then uh, verse six says, according to uh, Amplified, we know that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him because the word of God says so in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin might be made ineffective and inactive for evil that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. So if I'm a slave of sin, it's not talking about the actions. It's, it's talking about the slave. I'm a slave of the sinful nature. Couldn't God have just taken all that out of us when he saved us? Yes, he could have. But he didn't. Why did he? Because, again, he wants to love us and he wants us to love him in return. And without a choice, a daily choice, and maybe even an hour-by-hour choice or a moment-by-moment choice, we have no other way to demonstrate our love. Because as I said in previous lessons, that Greek word agape is demonstrated by the actions it produces. No actions, no agape. If I receive the love of God, it will change my actions. And if the love of God is at work in me and I'm loving him in return, it will change my actions. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. I can't do that by my own strength. But his love, which is the grace of God, the grace of God is is the love of God being given to us by the Spirit, and it's the love of God by the Spirit working in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure. That's the grace of God. That word grace sums up all of that. The love of God in me, working in me by the Spirit of God, with the word of God to empower me to do what pleases God. So again, uh, we says, we know that our old man, our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for, for evil, that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. For when a man dies, verse seven, he is freed, loosed, delivered from the power of sin. Amen. Uh, the Weiss expanded translation uh, of Romans 6, 5 through 7 says, For in view of the fact that we are, we are those who have become permanently united with him with respect to the likeness of his death, certainly also we shall be those who as a logical result have become permanently united with him with respect to the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this experientially, that our old, unregenerate self was crucified once for all with him in order that the physical body there there heretofore, dominated by the sinful nature, might be rendered inoperative in that respect, with the result that that no longer are we rendering a slave's habitual obedience to the sinful nature. Now that is a mouthful. (laughs) The Weiss Expanded Translation is great to study. It's difficult to read out loud, obviously. I've struggled with it in this lesson at times. But 
the purpose of we say expanded translation is not to add to the word, but to fully bring all the nuances of the Greek language into the English language, regardless of readability. And of course, it's not readable very easily, uh, but it it does give you the the uh, the uh, full uh, flavor of the Greek. So I'm going to read verse six again, knowing this experientially that our old unregenerate self was crucified once for all with him in order that the physical body heretofore dominated by the sinful nature might be rendered inoperative in that respect with the result that no longer are we rendering a slave's habitual obedience to the sinful nature. For the one who died once for all stands in the position of a permanent relationship of freedom from the sinful nature. That once for all is true, but according to Paul, it has to be renewed daily. I die daily. Then, uh, in finishing this lesson, uh, I'm reading these verses from the easy to read ver- version. Christ died and we have been joined with him by do- dying too. So we also, so we will also be joined with him by rising from death as he did. We know that our old life was put to death on the cross with Christ. This happened so that our sinful selves would have no power over us. Then we would not be slaves to sin. Anyone who has died is made free from sin's control. Now, you may say with me, as I've said in the past, this is a true. That's not what's going on in my life. But it, it can be true. It's the will of it's the will of God for it to be true. But what is it standing in the way of it being true in my life? I haven't fully died out to my own will and to my sinful nature and its desires. We 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 repent of all kind of stuff and we we die out to all kind of stuff. But there's a few things we just kind of hold on to. Just they're not that bad, and it's just this. It's just this. It's like, it's like uh, dieting all day long, but at night eating a big bowl of ice cream. Okay? I, now, that's possible on Weight Watchers if you have enough points left over. But the point, again, is if I have denied my flesh all day long, uh, am I going to say, okay, well, I... I've done all this, Lord, now I'm going to indulge myself here. And I'm not talking about food. I'm talking about principle. Because that's how we slip back into this. Now, the problem is we do that at the end of the day. Guess what? That's where we wake up the next morning. That's where we wake up the next morning. And now we have to dig our way out of that to be able to walk through the day crucified with Christ. But what happens if our faith in our being crucified with Christ is undermined because, and I'm not talking about slipping and falling. We can repent and the Lord will forgive us. He said, if we would confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's true. But it's sometimes a little more difficult for us to believe that, that we are forgiven. It's really hard sometimes for the flesh to let go and believe that God has forgiven us of that 
missing the mark. But he has. This is a process. That's why Peter said, last verse, words of, uh, of the Apostle Peter, First, Second Peter 3.18, grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ because the word grow is speaks of a process. It's not an event. I might be born, and that's an event, but my growing is a lifetime process. So I may be born again of water and the Spirit, but that growing is a lifetime process. Now, there are events events in my life that are very specific and very important. They're very important. But the issue comes down to each one of those events is supposed to be taking me closer to fully living a life, a crucified life, but alive through Christ in that process. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray that the Spirit of the Lord has spoken to you and I, and that by the grace of God, he has enlightened us by the spirit of revelation and impartation that you and I would be able to walk in him. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the lies of the adversary and I come against the lies of the flesh that says, this is not possible. I can't do this. Because the truth is, you and I can't do it. But he will do it through us. I pray and loose the grace of God on you and I that we will allow him to do that to his glory. In Jesus' name, amen.